Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. It's been really fun to get your direct messages and emails about this month's technology challenge and how it's helping you take back control of how you're using your devices. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. This just started with my podcast a few weeks ago on technology, how to use it, not abuse it. For the month of May, each week we are having a challenge that helps us get our tech use under control. And I'm announcing these challenges each Saturday on Instagram. And I'm also highlighting you guys and how the challenges are going for you on my Insta stories. So it's been fun to see how it's working out for you. So if you want to see what those challenges are, I am on Instagram at about progress. And that is also my handle on Facebook. My blog is aboutprogress.com for other podcast episodes if you want to see those as well as other things that I write. I just don't do the podcast. The, the blog is also important to me. Jessica Dahlquist is the brains and voice behind the Extraordinary Moms podcast. She was so gracious to agree to this interview, and I have to tell you, there were so many quotables from our conversation. She is so wise and has learned a lot about balance, choosing to find joy in life, and coping with anxiety, which for her has presented itself after she had her first child. She talks about motherhood on her own podcast, which I highly recommend. But she doesn't usually share as much about herself. So today we get that chance to part the curtain on Jessica and hear more about her, how she ticks, and what has helped her learn the importance of progress and balance. I know you're going to love this interview. So let's turn to my chat with Jessica. All right, I'm here with Jessica Dahlquist. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Monica. Thanks for having me tonight. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you on. I am a total fangirl on the other side 
of the microphone here. I'm very excited you would come on. If if people haven't heard of you yet, would you please give us an introduction? You bet. I am Jessica Dahlquist. I'm originally from San Diego, California. I was born in Southern California and raised in San Diego. That's where I met my husband. We've been married for 10 years now. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Um, We did undergrad, his finishing of undergrad. We went to law school. He is an attorney. Um, and we came back to San Diego where I thought we were, we were back home and we were done. And then he joined the military. Oh, and wow. So now I'm a military wife. I'm a Navy wife. He's a JAG and we were stationed in Virginia and now we're back in Southern California. And so that's been quite the learning experience. Um, oh, I huge. have three boys, ages seven, five, and one. I love my boys. I'm not going to go for a girl because I'd probably end up having a boy. <laughs> That's <laughs> how it goes. Got to want a baby. I can't just want a girl. I have to want a yes. baby. So yeah. I think I think our family's probably complete. But I went to Point Loma Nazarene University, and I was an elementary school teacher. Um, I worked for the University of Michigan for a couple years, um, reviewing applications for their MBA program. And then a year and a half ago, I think this is how you found me, I started a podcast. I am the host of the Extraordinary Moms podcast, where we have moms come on every week sharing their journeys and the lessons that they've learned. And that has been such an amazing, rewarding journey. And I've learned so much about podcasting and people, and it's it's been amazing. So that's kind of who I am. Well, that is how I found you. And those interviews you've done, I mean, they really have made my mothering experience so much better. And I know so many can relate to that. And I want to, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about your podcast. I wanted to know for you, uh, why did you start it? I know you've answered this before, but what made you decide to just, to just get up and start a podcast on motherhood? Yeah, great question. So I love podcasts. I find a lot of people say that they love audiobooks, and I'm just not quite in the phase where I have enough time to listen to a whole book without forgetting what I listened to the last time I had time to <laughs> yes. listen to something. I don't know if you can relate. To I that. can totally relate to that. And there's so many books I want to read, so I'm hoping to get into that audible phase soon. But right now, once I discovered podcasts, one of my favorite ones was Power of Moms. And that got me started, and I just love the small doses of information. That was exactly what I needed to hear. They have them on every topic, and I was just like, this is amazing. And so when I had my third son, Jackson, this was when we were living in Virginia. I was up in the middle of the night nursing him. This was um, 2015, I guess, the fall. And I was like, okay, as I'm sitting here, I'm always kind of multitasking. Sometimes I'm scrolling Instagram. Sometimes I'm listening to stuff. But I'm like, what would I want to hear? And what I came up with was I wanted to hear from other moms and I wanted to hear they were having a hard time. Like I was, I wanted to hear how they got through that. I wanted to hear from moms. I really, you know, looked up to and respected. And I wanted to hear how they had it hard sometimes too, and how they, you know, thrived in motherhood at times and struggled at other times. And as I looked for a show like that, I couldn't really find one exactly like that. So I thought like, how hard would it be to start a podcast? And you know, it's not quite the easiest thing, but it's also not the hardest thing. And so I Googled, I Googled how to start a podcast. And a month and a half later, I launched it on January 12th. And um, I think we've done, I don't know when this is going to air, but I think I just launched uh, episode 126. And it's been amazing. It's been so fun. So I do weekly and then um, there, I've gone through kind of phases, but then I also do a Friday episode that's a little more informational. Um, sometimes it's an interview. Sometimes it's just what's on my heart. And, oh, it's been so fun. I love motherhood so much. And so being able to talk to other moms about motherhood, it's just there, there's no greater thing for me to ponder during the week. I just I love it so much. I want to hear more about that, especially. Um, But first, I want to ask about how do you find your guests? Mm, Good question. So at first, it started with my inner circle. So I knew plenty of really, and by extraordinary moms, I do not mean perfect moms. Extraordinary moms means it's regular moms doing extraordinary work in the lives of their family. Everybody can be doing motherhood a completely different way and be extraordinary and we can cheer them on. And so that's the types of moms I wanted to highlight. And so, um, 
it started with my inner circle and having moms come on that I knew. Um, a couple of the first ones, one was a mom of a child with autism. Another one had lost a child and talks about that process. And, oh, that was a hard one to get mm. through. But it's it's so amazing to hear stories like that because people experience that type of loss every single day mm-hmm. around us. And sometimes we don't know how to respond to it. Sometimes we don't know what they're really truly going through. And so to have that insight into their life can really help you to know how to respond better. Or if you've gone through it, you feel some camaraderie with them. Mm-hmm. And then there's some fun moms. One of my best friends is Allison Faulkner um, at the Allison show. So she came on and she's been fun up. to hear. In motherhood, she's amazing, and she just adds so much to my motherhood perspective. Um, and so then, after it kind of started gaining some traction, I literally thought like seventy-five people would listen. Like I knew like seventy-five moms that would probably listen if I had a podcast. And so when I when people that I didn't know from like around the world started like listening, because I don't know about you, but you can see like the countries where the downloads are coming from or the states. And so seeing that it's like in like 90 countries or something. I'm like, who are these people? But I'm so glad you found it. Yeah. And so people started emailing me and saying, oh, you have to have so-and-so on. And of course, there's people that I don't know that I found through social media or on their blogs or things like that, where I've just kind of been, you know, inspired from afar. And then you're, I know, it's kind of surprising who you reach out to that gets back to you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, people to be on my show. I, you know, have a small following. So it's not like I'm giving them that much like attention or publicity or anything. Mm-hmm. But when Daniel Busby from the Out Daughtered show on TLC emails me right back and says, Oh, we're between filming. I can talk tomorrow. That's or, nuts. you know, Nixon calls me back and says she wants to talk about the loss of her sweet Leo. I'm just mm-hmm. like, what? Like, it's yeah. really surprising. And so I feel like I've tried to really have a mix of both people that you've heard of and maybe follow online and are happy to hear more from, but then also just regular moms that, that don't have a big following, but have an amazing story to tell. Mm-hmm. So I love when people, you know, tell me new guests to have on because, you know, I, I was kind of running out of people in my inner circle, but man, I have made such wonderful friends with people all around the world now that I've interviewed because we made these connections. And when you go deep with someone, I'm sure you found this when you go deep with someone and talk about like, the hardest parts of their life and how they got through it, you feel bonded. Yes. I feel really endeared to some of these people. There's someone, uh, Danielle Stepp, she was a breast cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. She's just a year out and she lives in, is it Kentucky? If Danielle listens, she's going to be like, it's not from Kentucky, Jeff. (laughs) I loved her interview too. But you know, it's just like, now I follow along in her life and I'm just like, I'm just so blessed by these associations I have now. So it's so fun getting to meet new people through this. Where do you think you are heading with it? Is this something that you see yourself doing it for a long time or do you have a goal in mind for it? You know, I don't really have a goal. I mean, podcasts didn't exist several years ago. So it's mm-hmm. like hard to know like what the next thing is. I kind of feel like podcasts are the next blog because mm-hmm. so many people are, you know, wanting to multitask and listen to things on the go and things. And so I do feel like podcasting is just picking up steam. And so I'm happy to have gotten in when I did. And so we'll see. But like, ultimately, like you were saying, I want to reach the mom and inspire the mom and help the mom through those hard days, who maybe they haven't talked to a single other adult you know, in the daylight hours and they are getting no positive feedback and they're getting no validation that what they're going through is absolutely 100% normal and they're doing a great job. You know, I want them to see themselves in these moms and to feel that camaraderie and that support. And so, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the podcast. I don't know how long I'll do it, but I'll just, I'll do it as long as I love it. And I really love doing it right now. So we'll see. I don't know. And that love comes through with every interview. I mean, you have to have passion for this because, I mean, nobody's paying you to do it. And that that love that you have for it, it makes the biggest difference because I feel it. And I know other people do too. So I have to praise you for that. That's really incredible that that's your main goal from this. That means a lot, Monica. Thank you. That's really nice. 
So you are the host of this very successful podcast, but we don't usually have the opportunity to hear much about you. You have been sharing here and there, though, different snippets about your life. And uh, for example, just this past week, the week that we're recording this, you, you shared a podcast on why you go to therapy. And I loved that podcast so much. But there's also been other times where you've given us a little insight to the personal struggles you've had and some of the steps in your own motherhood journey. And that's why I wanted to interview you today. I wanted to uh, get some more from you on, on, on these parts of your life. So I, let's start with some of the questions that you usually ask your guests. <laughs> let's turn the tables a little bit. And I want to know what you were like pre-motherhood. So growing up, um, I was always really goal-oriented. I was really into music and musical theater. I loved to sing. And so my goals really revolved around around that. And I kind of found that through hard work and through, um, you know, taking lessons and setting goals, like I could kind of get where I wanted to go and kind of have the outcome that I was working towards. And, um, and usually it worked. Like I got leads in musicals and I sang the national anthem at the Padres game. And I, I just, I don't know, I did a lot of things that made me feel really validated that the hard work um, was paying off. And I wouldn't say that I would have called myself a perfectionist as um, a pre-mom. Um, it really was after I became a mom that I realized the high, high expectations that I set for myself and kind of that unrealistic bar that was really preventing me from feeling good about the job I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of moms feel that way that, that when you're doing a job, like I was a teacher and I would get a lot of positive feedback from, you know, regular reviews and evaluations and, you know, things like that. People were seeing what I was doing and I was getting validated for what I was doing And in motherhood, it's just not like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so without that validation, it really, so I don't know if the perfectionism was always there and it just kind of unearthed um, with motherhood or maybe it was triggered for the first time in motherhood. But I really started to question if I was even, you know, doing a good job. And, um, you know, I always just kind of did the things that I really enjoyed doing and loved doing. And I focused on those things. And I mean, I wasn't the best student. I didn't stress out over getting straight A's. B's were just fine with me. And, you know, I was never yeah. like comparison with my friends or with myself for, for that kind of thing. I just kind of focused on the things I was good at and then kind of worked with that. And I kind mm-hmm. of had, I don't know, realistic expectation of myself in that. And then when you become a mom, it's not the same in, in saying that if you study up and, and you kind of read how to sleep train your child and potty train your child and you, you know, you do your homework, that you're going to have a certain outcome. These kids come wired with their personalities and with their own minds to make their own decisions. And it was really challenging to have, have my, my efforts kind of, I don't know, sometimes prove fruitless. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, so much of what I have struggled with as a mom is this groundhog day feeling that it can, Mm -hmm. it can have in in a lot of ways there, it just seems very repetitive and a lot of um, chores, you know, that you're just wondering, you know, what good is, is, is this doing when you have had um, a work before that is showing you your fruits right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that was part of the hard transition for you. Oh, sure. I'm a list maker. And I'm a list maker to the point of if something's not on my list, but I did it, I'll go back to my list, write it down just so I can cross it out. Mm-hmm. Right. And those things stay done. So motherhood is a series of tasks and responsibilities that you're doing again and again. You do. And then it gets undone. Mm-hmm. You you know, you you sweep the floor. You do another meal you sweep again, like it just is, is constant. And so what I've really had to make progress in is realizing that it's like, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be fruitless just because I am doing the same thing again and again, like it matters each and every time, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't know, I've had to really just, I have, I've had to shift my thinking. I've had to shift my thinking with, with what, 
my job looks like. And it doesn't look like being a teacher. It doesn't look like being a doctor or being a lawyer. It It's not as straightforward as that. It's it's 24-7. It's all-encompassing. And um, you just kind of have to, to change your expectations as far as when and how and what the validation is going to look like. And then, mm. like, just trusting that you're doing a good job and you're doing what you need what you need to be doing. So when you were first um, answering about this transition into motherhood, I, I had the thought that a big part of why oh, it seems so hard is because the stakes are higher. Mm. It's not just about you. You know, it's not just about um, affecting you. And you have that responsibility as a mom that you know, you feel those stakes are higher. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering for you, what was it as you entered motherhood that was telling you things had to be done a certain way or had to feel a certain way? What was making you think that, um, that you had these own guidelines and standards and parameters for yourselves that were, that, that maybe weren't helpful in the end? Sure. It was myself. Like literally no one else was telling me I was doing it wrong. No one else was telling me how I needed to do things, but it was myself. And I remember distinctly with my first son, Parker, who's now seven, you know, in those first few weeks, he would just cry and cry and cry. And I mean, from the second they laid him on my chest, he like craned his neck to like look around. Like he has never been passive and he's never been like real still. And so I remember holding him and he's just screaming and I'm rocking and I'm crying mm-hmm. and my husband comes in. He's like, maybe if you stop crying, he'll stop crying. Like maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know how to make him stop crying. He's like, well, let's just give this a try. Like you stop, maybe he'll stop. And he didn't stop, but yeah. still, <laughs> you know, it just once my second son came along and I saw that sometimes babies cry You know, when you have that first child, like you just think you're doing everything wrong if they don't do everything right, according to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so once my second son came along and I realized we were having sleep issues and we were having, you know, different, different things. And, you know, even if, um, you know, I ever felt self-conscious about saying in front of somebody else, I just felt more freedom to just kind of do it my way. Mm -hmm. Like I had no shame about my kids going out in their pajamas, you know, to school, like, who cares? Who cares if you're, you know, and I'm not going to apologize. There's some moms that like apologize. Oh, sorry. I just never got them dressed. It's fine. Like you're, you're not hurting anybody. It's just fine. And then by my third, holy cow, what a different mom I am today. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, I used to clean up all day long. Yeah. I used to pick toys all day long. And I mean, for one thing, it did help my sanity having a little bit more of a picked up space, but it made me so on edge when they would undo what I did that I was becoming a mom that I didn't like and that I didn't want my kids to have. And so now we do one cleanup at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes during the day I feel like, Oh my gosh, it's getting really messy and I'm like losing my mind here. I'm stepping on Legos and I'm stepping on everything. But does that really matter that much? You know? And so just giving yourself the freedom to just, relax on the things that you're comfortable with and that you're okay with and that aren't a big deal and then focusing on the things that are a big deal to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've just changed my expectations so, so much and expectations are everything. And when you just lower that bar and not that you're like settling for just a completely average, you know, I don't know, like I'm all, I'm still like shooting to be a great mom and shooting to have kids but I'm not setting an impossible bar that feels like I have to do all the things all the time. Mm-hmm. And that really saved my sanity. And I just feel like a happier mom for my kids. Hmm. There's so much there about, wow, so much more happiness and completeness when you let go of things that really don't matter. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not like picked up toys does not make me happy. Like playing kids make me happy, right? And so, you know, kids being on screens all day makes for a much cleaner house, much cleaner. Mm -hmm. And so there are times where it's like, okay, I have people coming over tonight, screen, go. Like we're not getting out more toys. But the rest of the time, it's just like play, like get out every sword in the house, you know, fine, take the pillows and cushions off the couch and, you know, create an obstacle course. 
fine. I used to just be driven crazy by those things. And it's amazing in such a short amount of time kind of how far I've come in that. I mean, I still don't do glitter. I still don't do Me Play-Doh. Me neither. I can't do glitter. <laughs> they do that at preschool. They do yes. that at, you know, the friend's house. Great. Great. Have that experience. Not at my house. It's It will never leave my house. So no. <laughs> it's but in a lot of things, my standards have been lowered. So we can just live a happier a more comfortable life with each other. And I don't want my kids stressing out. Like if they spill something, mom's going to freak out, mm-hmm. you know, but if I'm already on edge from feeling like super depleted or, um, you know, if I've just been giving, giving, going, going all day long, I'm already on edge. So one spilled cup of water, that's really not the end of the world might set me off. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. I don't like that response for my kids. I want my kids to realize like a mistake, mistakes happen. And this is how we can deal with mistakes. You know, they help me clean it up. And we say, oh, let's be careful. Clean it up and move on. You know, but I used to get way more worked up about, you know, my kids climbing out of their cribs when it was supposed to be nap time. Get in your crib, you know. (sighs) That's not the mom I wanted to be. And I am really proud of myself of how far I have, I've tried to come. and, And I see myself behaving differently than I used to in a lot of situations that would have kind of triggered me before. So I'm seeing, you know, this, the joy that you've taken out of motherhood has increased so much as you've changed Mm -hmm. these expectations and changed how you have viewed what your job is as a mom. And I want to know how that relates to how you viewed yourself initially as a mom. And now, um, let's see, seven years later, what what has shifted in how you view yourself and what, what difference has that made for you internally and in your mothering? Well, I believe that these specific children were given to me for a reason. And so every challenge that I faced, every wall that I came against, every time I felt like things weren't going the way I wanted them to or that I thought they would go, I kind of like doubted my own ability. Yeah. And so in seven years, I really tried my hardest, both like like you mentioned in the therapy um, episode that just came out. I want to be a more self-aware version of myself and I want to um, be more aware of the narratives that are going on in my head and I want to really try to be my best self for my kids and realizing that I have the power to control that. I mean, it's not easy. It's like a constant work in progress, Um, but really just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm kind of, um, when I listened to that podcast and I listened to you now, you talked in your podcast on therapy, how one of your issues has been anxiety mm-hmm. and that this can stem from your people pleasing nature and your, um, tendency to worry about what people think about you. And I related so much to that and it's embarrassing to admit that, right? Like those two <laughs> things. Nobody wants to admit that, (laughs) that they are a people pleaser and that they care too much about what people are thinking. But I think that shift in how you have viewed motherhood and yourself has come from you letting go of these, of these uh, flaws in yourself. Oh, for sure. And when I say that I'm a people pleaser, it's not that I was fake. Of course not, yeah fake. And I think being mm-hmm. a people pleaser makes it seem like and admitting to that makes it seem like I've lived kind of a fake life. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm happy, I'm pretending to be happy. And that's not it at all. Um, but coming to a place where I'm able to selectively choose what I say yes to and what I say no to, and then the things that I do say yes to, it's because I really value it. What I've worked so hard on is determining like what I really value and then constructing my life around those values. And you know what that means? You can't do it all. You can't do it all. And so when every sign up sheet goes around and it's like, okay, can you sign up to be, you know, in charge of the book fair? Can you bring a meal to so-and-so? Can you take care of so-and-so's kids? But the person who I kind of used to be was signing up for everything because I wanted to come across like I could do everything at all times for all people. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned is that you can't, everyone wants something different from you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so even if you're trying to please everybody, it's physically impossible because everybody wants something different. Everyone's looking for something different in terms of what they think is pleasing to them, right? And so by not striving to anybody's definition of, of perfection or of what's pleasing to them or what's meeting their needs, when I do things and when I serve authentically, when I sign up for things with a joyful heart, I can do those things with a joyful heart, right? I had Katie Richardson from Pudge on the show, and I love, love, loved how she talked about instead of saying that she has to do certain things, she says, I choose to do certain things. Mm-hmm. So your life may not look any different. My life doesn't look a whole lot different than it did seven years ago. I'm still sweeping up crumbs. I'm still potty training kids. I'm still changing diapers. I'm still driving carpool. I'm still doing all those things. But instead of saying, oh, I have to go change his diaper, oh, I have to go take out the trash, I have to sweep, I have to this, thinking, I get to go pick up my son from school. Mm-hmm. I get to go take so-and-so a meal and help them out. I get to, and I choose to do these things. Like These are all wonderful opportunities. If I don't genuinely want to do it, I could say no. And if mm-hmm. I don't say no, it, it's only on me, mm-hmm. right? It's not on anybody else. And so realizing that I'm in control of the life that I want to live really allows me to like be the happiest I can be because I'm doing the things that I truly love in life. And so while I may still have those kind of people-pleasing tendencies, I please people. I hope people are pleased by me because what I'm doing is authentic and loving towards them not because I feel obligated at all. And so I'm still working on it and I'm trying to get away from those tendencies and and rewire that with, with healthier habits. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know that if I say yes to you, like I'm all in and I'm there for you. If I say yes to my kids about doing something or I am doing something for my kids or serving my husband or doing something like that, it's because I'm choosing to do that for you. I could choose not to, but I'm choosing to do that and I'm going to do it with a happy heart. And that's been so freeing. I love that you've said your life doesn't really look that different. It's just this internal life yeah. has has yeah. altered. Love matters, right? I think kids yeah. kids can sense if you are reading them a book out of duty or a book out of love. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's way better to spend five minutes playing Legos presently than it is to play Legos for 30 minutes while you're like, wishing you were somewhere else. They yeah. can it. Even if you're doing the same exact activity and moving your little figures around, they can sense if you're all there. Mm-hmm. And it's way better to do it for five than do it for 30 and do it with the right intent. I don't know. And you talked about, you know, making a choice. It's a conscious choice to view yeah. what you're doing differently. I think this can apply to anybody, whether they're a, a mom or, or not. Oh, yeah. You know, choosing what you're doing and really choosing it will alter how it feels to you, too. And mm-hmm. I think what you did is you took out the victim mentality. Yes. Yeah, I did, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, good, another example. How about, well, here I am sweeping the floor and nobody cares doing it again. And now it's just like, oh, whoops, I have to sweep up the floor again. Right. And it it does take the same amount of energy to say the same thing with a different tone. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, oh, you're welcome for getting your cereal. Like sometimes I say that in a very coarse, like say, thank you, darn it kind of way, you know, (laughs) but it takes the same amount of energy, you know, to just remind him calmly, like, okay, I got your cereal. Do you have anything to say? Mm -hmm. Like I love it. Or just saying, I love getting cereal for you. I love you so much. Hmm. Like, why couldn't I just choose that? And well, sometimes I choose wrong. Yeah, but then who doesn't? Think, but then I feel it. Like, I feel weird about it. I'm like, why did I say it like that? Yeah. You know? Well, I was going to say the effort is the same, but the outcome is mm-hmm. so varied. It's, I mean, it's so different. It's, it's yes. way, it's way, well, what am I trying to say? 
you get way more out of it by choosing uh, the the happy way, I guess. Yes, absolutely. The meaningful it, way. It feels so much better. Mm-hmm. If you walk around like bitter and feeling like a martyr all day long, and we all have days like that or moments like that. So like I give permission to feel like that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. but if that is your whole existence, it is exhausting. Yes. It is so exhausting. And we all have seasons like, you know, and so there's hope to be out of that season, but you have to try. Mm-hmm. You have to try to work out of that season, right? Because it's not just going to like magically change because the crumbs will still be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the kids will still need their diapers changed, you know, those things will still be there. Um, mm-hmm. And so it takes a concerted effort, but yeah, when you are just willing to kind of change your outlook, it can really change your life. And I'm thinking about this, how this applies to how you have learned to deal with the anxiety that you've had that you also talked about in the therapy podcast. Sure. And you talked about a narrative in your head and that relates to what we were just saying as well. When you notice that narrative in your mind, what do you do to talk back to it and how do you alter it? Okay. This is really good. So I've worked on this a lot with my therapist. So I've come up with like a quick catchphrase of what I need to do. I need to deconstruct and then reconstruct, right? If we're not even aware of the thoughts that are in our head, how can we possibly make them any different? You have thousands of these truths that you've collected and created in your life, your whole life history with your family and with, you know, your friends and with society and everything. And some of those truths that are true to you are not true, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we're not even aware of the truths we are operating on on a day-to-day basis. You wonder why you look in the mirror and say, gosh, my body's so terrible. <sighs> I'm not beautiful. Ugh, you know, I'm a terrible mom. You wonder like where these come from. It's because these are the affirmations spinning round and round in your head every day. Mm-hmm. And sure, if you're repeating this every single day, you're going to believe it, right? Yeah. And so you have to identify the thought. What is the thought? I'm a terrible mother or I'm a terrible friend. Okay, let's go with I'm a terrible mother. I'm a terrible mother. Is that true? You think, is that true? Because you have to reconstruct it. You mm-hmm. deconstruct it. What is the evidence? Okay, well, my kids seem really happy. They're well taken care of. Mm -hmm. They're good friends. They're polite. Yeah, they act up from time to time. Is that a reflection of me being a bad mom? Not really. So I guess that's not true at all. And then I'm going to replace it with a thought. Like, I'm doing the best I can. Or I did great today. Hmm. You know? And, And just starting small. And so identifying what the incorrect thought is or the incorrect narrative is. And then reconstructing it so that it is based on true facts or at least the facts that you want to be true, right? You may have a hard time believing it right this second because if it's so ingrained in you, sometimes it's hard to get past those things. And I'm sure we all have those things and they're all unique to us, right? I bet something's popping in your head right now. Yeah. But we all have those things. But if it is not serving you, replace it replace it with something else and, and find a new truth that works for you and guaranteed it will change. It'll change everything. And if you can list out all of them, like get a piece of paper, like list out all of the affirmations you're telling yourself on a day-to-day basis. Affirmations do not have to be positive. They can be negative. Hmm. List it out. And if you like them and they're serving you, you really highlight those things and you re-repeat them. If you feel like you are a great mom and you're doing great and you're so patient, keep telling yourself that. If you are so loving towards your friends, like keep affirming yourself in that, that you're doing a great job in that. But if there are things that are in your head that are not serving you, when I feel anxious and overwhelmed, like I am not doing a good enough job or I'm questioning, another thing I think about a lot is rehearsing and rehashing. Yeah. So I'm always thinking about the future or overanalyzing the past. Mm-hmm. I worry so much about like literally every interaction I have. And it's like from my interactions to the crossing guard at the school to my interactions with my closest people. Like it's not mm-hmm. even like big deals. It doesn't yeah. have to be a event or big deal people. Um, that's not healthy. That's that's not – I don't want to say normal or uh, not normal, but I don't want that to, to be where I spend my energy. It's not I want serving you. Like no, you were saying. Not, no. And so by striving to be present 
in the moment and trusting and just enjoying your life and thinking like whatever comes, I'll be able to handle it. Whatever happened in the past, like it happened already and I can move forward. Giving yourself that permission is really powerful and helps in addition to deep breathing can really help alleviate a lot of the the rising. Like when I feel anxiety, I have a hard time taking deep breaths. And so by really slowing down my breath, it also slows down your mind. Because I don't know about you, but if I feel anxiety, it starts spinning, spinning, spinning in my head, right? Yeah. I can't get off the hamster wheel. So by slowing down, and my therapist told me this, like it's factually true, slowing down your breathing slows down your brain. Mm -hmm. So that's That's been really powerful for me. Yeah, it's amazing, that connection. So what has this shift, you know, and first we should point out, it it does just take a long time to learn this and it's, it can be really exhausting at first. Yeah. And there's going to be sort through it want to deal with Mm. right there's going to be things that might pop up in your mind then you stuff it like you don't know it's easier to not deal with it to go there right yeah and you do have to be in a place where you're where you're ready to do the work if you're not ready Mm. to do the work like start on the smaller things but that builds your confidence right like one of my friends she's so so smart we were on a walk last week and she said do you think by doing the podcast and having all these people open up to you so vulnerably, it's helped you to become more vulnerable or like want to become more vulnerable and seek out your own help and go to therapy and things like that. I never really thought about that. That's so interesting. That all these guests that I've had being, sometimes they say things and I'm like, I could never say that. Or, wow, that's so brave. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to say those things too. Those things that, that are mine mm-hmm. to own, Right. And I think thinking about things is way heavier than like letting it out of the box, right? Like the fear of something is way heavier than ever facing the fear. Like the shame is lifted. Yes. But I'm not super good at it. And so I'm not saying that I am, but it is, I'm concertedly practicing it and, Mm -hmm. um, it is a day-to-day thing, but start with the small things. Start with the small things you are willing to confront and then and then go deeper. And your confidence will grow in your ability to handle those things and rewrite those truths. So for you, why has it been worth it to put in that work? How has it transformed your inner life and your outer life? Hmm. I'm 33 years old and I figure most likely I had a, I have a lot of life left to live. Mm-hmm. And I want to live in the happiest, most constructive, productive way possible. I don't want to just like go day to day and be kind of like an average version of myself. I believe that I am enough as I am today, but I'm also capable of being better, right? I believe that I was given like the talents and the gifts and the opportunities that I have in my life for a reason. And if I am a subpar version of myself simply because I have anxiety or because I'm not willing to face certain things or I'm people pleasing too much and I'm denying my own, you know, desires and, and my own wishes of how I want my life to look like I'm not doing my duty to God and being the person that he wants me to be. Hmm. And so it's worth it. It's worth it. And when you start seeing little changes, just like little tweaks, it's not an overhaul. My life really doesn't look that much different, like I said. And, mm-hmm. um, But my inside is a lot different. My inside is a lot different. And I have a lot more peace. And feeling that peace and feeling that joy, it's, it's worth going one more day at this. And then the next day, and then the next day. And when you don't give up on that, you look back a year or two years from now and you think, who, who was I yeah. then? Like, look at, look at me now. Like, you don't even realize what you're capable of. But I guarantee every single person listening is capable of amazing, amazing things if we don't stifle our own development with our own hangups, mm-hmm. you know, our own people pleasing and our own perfection. Cause guaranteed, even if you were as perfect as you were striving to be, it wouldn't necessarily even be the manifestation that God wants for you hmm. because then it's in your control. Yeah. 
right? Like being the optimized version of yourself is really just like releasing who you are into God's hands and then just like being who he wants you to be and like being guided to make these small decisions every single day to live that out, live out that life, not live out the life that like you think you should be living according to the world. I don't want that life. I don't want that life. But we get caught up in forgetting what, why we're really here. I never thought of it that way. I didn't really either. See, this is when I get going. (laughs) You got it. Get going. And I just don't even know what I'm saying, but I believe it. I really and truly do. That is so, yeah, that's really transformative. That thought right there. Can I also say one more thing? Please. Yeah. Writing. So sometimes, um, writing helps a lot. Mm -hmm. So, if you have a difficult relationship with somebody or you have a difficult relationship with yourself or a certain aspect of your life or whatever, whatever self-doubt is spinning for you, like write it down or something and just start writing. Just write to it. Face it. You don't have to show it to anybody. You don't have to send it to anybody. If you, if it's a person that you're struggling with, like write them a fake email mm-hmm. and don't send it to them necessarily, but just get it out. Because the thoughts that you keep like trapped in your own mind prevent you from moving on. At least they did for me. And so by writing, even if nobody ever sees it, oh my gosh, it is, it is so freeing. And it is, that's been a really, really powerful tool to, to release a lot of the emotions and everything. And even if it's like ridiculous, even if you're just super mad about something super dumb, nobody's going to see it. Right. Mm -hmm. So just like, write it down and release it and then delete it or shred it or keep it in a special file. You know, who knows? But that's a really powerful tool. I wonder if people can even do that on the voice memo app. Oh, sure. Oh, I talk to myself all the time in the car. All the time. Yes. And I just like ramble to myself. And sometimes I say things that are meaningful and sometimes it's just stream of consciousness. But it feels good to hear yourself talk truth to yourself. You know, this is another good tool. I've learned so much from you tonight. I, I'm thinking about if I were to write that letter, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be necessarily to a person. It would be to myself. Absolutely. And the things I would say to myself, I would never say to another human being. And I'm realizing that as I talk to you, like, that's important. And that needs to be taken care of. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who might feel similarly. And I'm going to do what you said. Good. Yeah. <laughs> If, 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 if a mom came to you and said, oh, I'm the worst, I cannot potty train my child. It's just not working. We're just fighting, fighting, fighting. It's not working. You'd be like, oh, you're doing a great job. Hang in there, blah, blah. If it were you, like you'd yeah. be beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. Like you'd be driven crazy by yourself. And we do not extend the same grace to ourselves that we often do to other people. And that's a great place to start being like, what would you tell a friend? If you're beating yourself up about like, gosh, your kid is acting up at school and, you know, is really struggling at school. Like, what would you tell a friend who's coming to you with the same issue? You know, like make it not personal mm-hmm. um, because I bet you're going to have a really good thing to say to them. That's really encouraging, not belittling. So I'm thinking about the, one of the very first things you said in this interview is how much you love motherhood. Yeah. And I'm curious, did you always feel that way? Or has this been something that has also been part of this transition for you to embrace all of it? Um, and if that's meant more love for you? I really have always loved motherhood. Like I said, my first baby was so, so, so hard mm-hmm. and challenged me so much. And we still kind of have conflict at times just with our personalities. Um, and it's a, you know, a concerted effort every day to kind of work through that. But I just feel like even when I don't get it right, even when I make mistakes, I just feel like there is no greater work that I could be doing. And I feel like there's no job that is more refining to me personally. And I feel like a better human being for serving these other human beings 24-7. And I feel like a stronger um more generous version of myself. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just love it so much. And so when I hear, and actually my therapist said, you seem to really love being a mom. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
yeah, I do. Is that, is that strange? (laughs) And she said, yeah. She's like a lot of people or most of the moms that come in here, like begrudge motherhood and begrudge their role as a mom. And, and I said, honestly, like, I don't know many of those people. I work really hard to surround myself with supportive people that see the world like I do because that adds to my life. I also want to like make myself available to all moms, whether they like motherhood or not, mm-hmm. you know, in order to kind of like share the light and share the joy that I feel and hoping that they can kind of see that for me and maybe have that rub off a little bit. But, um, I, I really, I really do love it. And I think there is joy to be found in even things that are really, really difficult. Um, and so I don't always like motherhood. I don't like a like a lot of the tasks and things like that. It's, it's not fun. But I also think that's why I think it's really important for me to have other passion projects that I'm pursuing, like the podcast and things like that. Because when I'm able to do things that really fill up my own tank um, and really fulfill me personally, I'm then much more apt and grateful and able to serve my family happily. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that too. It's so great to hear about that, that passion about that you have towards motherhood. And I think I can identify with some of those women who your therapists interact with, because I think what's happening is people are getting burdened by the, um, the pressure of motherhood. Yeah. You know, they're getting caught up in, in how hard it is. And, and instead of seeing the joy that's there and that talks, that, that speaks to all that we just were talking about tonight. It's mindset. Yeah, it totally is. And I mean, I've had moms on the show that have lost children and I mean, talk about hard, Mm -hmm. right? Talk about hard. You might have hard days as a mom, but think about not being a mom to one of your children again. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as you are facing maybe a really hard day, maybe a hard season, maybe you've experienced a loss, maybe things just aren't going the way you thought they would go. If you look for it, there is still joy there. Mm -hmm. It may not be like the overarching theme, like glaring at you in the face, but there is joy to be found. If you look for it, you will find whatever you were looking for in life. And that's true with everything. If you're looking for the best parts of your husband, you will see the very best in him. If you are looking for all the negative things about him, that is all that you will see. If you are looking for the amazingness and awesome responsibility of motherhood and how wonderful and powerful it is, you will see that. But if you're looking for the crumbs and the spills and the messes, you're going to just see that too. Well, Jessica, I I like to ask people what they learned about themselves, um, themselves the past few years. And I feel like you have been answering that throughout this whole interview. Is, Is there anything else that you can think of? that you have learned the past few years? Yeah, I would just say self-awareness is everything. I mean, there are plenty of things that I do wrong every single day. But when we realize what we've done wrong, we can change it. We realize like that there's an incorrect narrative in our head and we can change it. We realize we've made a really big mistake with one of our kids and we can apologize and we can yes. you know, strategize for doing it differently the next time. You know, but when we are not even cognizant of our own incorrect thought patterns, when we're not even aware that we can be any better or any different, there's not really any place to go from there, right? You're just going to keep doing the same thing again and again. And so, I mean, I'm not anywhere near close to a perfect mom, but I feel like I'm doing a really good job. And I've learned that, you know, I can be a great mom and an imperfect mom at the very same time. Mm-hmm. And I used to think like those two things couldn't really coexist. How can you be doing both? But I mean, it's, there's just motherhood is so complex. And so giving myself the grace to realize like in the big umbrella, I'm a great mom. And yes, there's things that I'm going to do differently tomorrow, but that's why we have it. That's why we have tomorrow. And so looking at that optimistically, instead of, with the glass half empty, that perspective is everything. And I'm so grateful for that. And I, and I'm, and for anybody that's feeling like they want things, they wish things were different than they are right now. 
just start with those those small tweaks. Be self-aware enough to realize what is not working for you, what's not serving you, and then be brave to face those things. And just make mm-hmm. it doesn't need to look that different. But by, you know, if you're always stressing about getting out the door in the morning, could you put all the shoes by the front door so you're not scrambling and yelling at your kids to get their shoes and you, mm-hmm. nobody can find it ever? Like, <laughs> yes. Put, put the shoes by the front door. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that could, like, change the tone of the morning or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. Are you, you know, doing your spiritual practices that really fulfill your soul and keep, put you on the right track and help you to feel grateful for what you have? By doing those small things, you can live a life that is truly fulfilling and amazing and wonderful and beyond your expectations. So, and it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be amazing. Oh, I love that so much. I'm going to have to embroider that on something. (laughs) And then send me, then send it to me. (laughs) I will. I will. (laughs) Jessica, this has been so great. I I want people, well, I want people to know where to find you. I don't know if we said that clearly enough. So tell us that before we let you go. Sure. Oh, thanks. So, um, my podcast, Extraordinary Moms Podcast, is on iTunes and on Stitcher and any of the podcast apps. Just search for Extraordinary Moms Podcast, and there's a little graphic with a silhouette of a mom and some gold confetti. Mm-hmm. You can follow me there, and um, you can go to our website, ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com, um, for all the past episodes. Like I said, I think we've done 126 now. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at Jessica Dahlquist three and on Facebook at extraordinary moms podcast. Thank you again, Jessica. I hope we can talk again soon. Thanks, Monica. This was so fun. I love what you're doing and this message of, of not forcing ourselves into this, this perfectionistic idea, but realizing it's just all about the journey and about that progress. So I love the message that you're sharing. Thanks for having me today. Oh, thank you so much. That means the world to me. Jessica was just a dream to interview, and I am going to keep turning back to the notes I wrote as we chatted. I am so glad she was willing to be so vulnerable and share the hard lessons she's gleaned the past few years. Her podcast, Extraordinary Moms, is excellent. She has such a good variety of guests, moms who work, stay at home, moms of special needs children, moms who have adopted, everything. She's really good at asking amazing questions and helping pull out the wisdom from their guests, and her heart is really in it for the right reasons. I've linked to her podcast in the show notes so you can check those out. That's at aboutprogress.com if you don't know where the show notes are. And this is kind of exciting and nerve wracking. I'm actually going to interview uh, on her show. So I'm going to be a guest and, um, I'm pretty nervous about it. (laughs) I don't know when it will air yet, but I will, I will let you know when that's coming up and I will be chatting with her about my, my motherhood journey and how my issues with eating disorders, depression, anxiety, and perfectionism had to be dealt with in a very real way as I became a mother to some pretty big personalities. (laughs) So I will again, let you know when that's going to be airing. Um, Besides that, I have some other exciting news. We are almost to 100,000 downloads. Can you believe it? I I really can't. It's so thrilling. And it's thanks to you. You guys are sharing it with people who you know, and it's it's spreading. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for leaving reviews on iTunes. Those keep trickling in and that helps other people in the algorithm get uh, directed to our podcast. So if you haven't shared it yet, subscribed or left a review, if you can take a few minutes to do just one of those, I'd be so grateful. I'll have a special giveaway for you guys when we hit that 100,000 number, which should be pretty soon. So let's do a quick do something highlight for you before I let you go. This is short for do something that scares you. It's a campaign I am doing that challenges people to do something that scares them, whether it's big or small. Today's highlight comes from someone who direct messaged me on Instagram, Chantel. She did what I asked, so I'm so grateful for her. I'm just going to read what she wrote because it's really, uh, it's just golden. So here's what she said. Uh, I think I, I think having three kids pushed me to my max and I really had to take a step back and make sure I was still taking care of myself and following dreams, even just a little. So I didn't turn into a crazy person. 
I can relate to that, Chantel. Um, plus, I turned 30 last year, and that was another push for me, and I realized that it's now or never. I can't keep putting things off. So in the last nine months, I have done a lot of scary slash fun things. I wrote and submitted an article that got published online. I hadn't written anything in years, and so that was scary, but also fun. I also started a blog, and I still get nervous every time I publish a new post. I started teaching myself how to make earrings. I've been teaching myself how to make cakes, which is so fun. And tomorrow I'm doing the scariest thing so far. I'm taking a Zumba instructor certification class. Yikes. Instead of waiting till I lose more weight or getting better at Zumba, I'm just going for it. Anyway, I've really been pushing myself to do new things and really develop myself. And even though some things have flopped and failed, I have been so much happier. There's something about trying new things that really brings a lot of happiness. Chantel, that meant so much to me to hear from you. And that is exactly what this campaign is for me, is to just try. And how when we try things, we are happier, even if we aren't good at them. And I'm really glad that you would do that. Thank you for, for reaching out to me. I'd love to highlight more of you. So if you have something to share, direct message me on Facebook or Instagram at About Progress. Or you can email me at PackerProgress at gmail.com. You can also nominate someone you know for this do something, or if you think they should be on the show. We are transitioning to interviewing more and more people you guys have suggested for me. I love that. And I'm meeting so many incredible people. So a big thank you to the people who have done that for me. And I'm looking forward to sharing those interviews. Next Wednesday, I will have another great interview for you with Celeste Davis. Her husband, Matt, was on a little while ago to talk about his struggles with mental health. And when we were off the air, he told me all about his wife. And I just knew I had to have her on. Celeste was super fun to interview. And oh, she has a lot of things to share with you. So come back next Wednesday for my interview with Celeste. And until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.